You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 20 minutes, we'll be talking about Doctor Who so that you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. <laughs> and a very optimistic Simon. <laughs> okay then, Simon, what was your comment when that episode finished? <laughs> was the I don't of... think this is going to take long. No, was the effect of bloody Gatiss? <clears throat> Lee, would so you like to expand so... on that? <laughs> I think it's a bit harsh. No. But I completely understand explain. where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah I think you better do. No, and as much as I really want to love his stuff, because I really like uh, the guy. It's a horror. You know, he can do it. Look, Mark Gatiss is a horror expert. He should he should know how this is done. And what we just watched there was a strange mix and mess of all the cliches we've ever seen in any horror film. What that was, was two very interesting ideas mm. that had absolutely nothing to do with one another and should never have been put together. Can you elaborate? Well, you add on the one hand a really interesting idea Mm. about what happens when you deprive people of sleep and what effect that can have. And if you take Stephen Moffat's version of Doctor Who, then you can extrapolate from that a really interesting story about the psyche Mm. and the way that can manifest Mm. analogously into a television programme. But what you got instead was some bloody tech thriller that had absolutely nothing to do with that. That was just people running around a spaceship shooting at stupid monsters. It just didn't go together. It made no sense. You guys don't play video games, right? But I play a lot now. I have done. Yeah, but... But funny enough... Xbox, Xbox One. You mentioned Doom. Doom was probably the last game I played a lot There was a moment where we had a first-person shooter, wasn't there? Mm. Um, It was... Based, I think, around a lot of Xbox openings, uh, you get these kind of stories that, that that set the whole game up, and a lot of them from head cams. A lot of them are shots of them walking mm. around spaceships, it's like Alien, basically, or Aliens, I suppose. All of that's been done, 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 done. If you're going to do it in Doctor Who, you need to a move a bit faster, with the cuts and edits, to make you feel mm. like you've got a bit of movement. If you really want to get the genre down to a T, or just don't. Do you know I'm not I'm not going to analyze it to that degree because I actually thought production wise editing and what it was filmed and that was really really brave and really good and uh at least for the first 20 minutes I thought it was it worked okay yeah for the first 20 minutes no I didn't the first 20 minutes I was ready to kind of just switch over really and what's the x factor I got very bored in those first 20 minutes I got bored at the end, but yeah. I quite, I, the, the, it heated up when we had this moment where they were talking about the dust. And I thought, oh, killer dust. Here we go. This is something. <laughs> That's well, where it lost me. Fashed <laughs> thought, right, yeah, yeah, it was. But I was thinking, okay, well, this could be interesting. No, because he said, oh, we can't get off the ship because it will spread to the universe. And I thought, ah, okay, now we have a dilemma where he can't get into the TARDIS, which is obviously what we saw Clara do at the end. And we all went, mm. But the, the, the whole point is you can't get off. He has to solve the problem. He has to eradicate the dust. He has to get rid of it all. Of course, I mean, there's, 
the more we look into it, it nice, there are more tricks yeah, Before and you turns go any further, it, it was nice twist at the end yeah. where it turned out it wasn't the dust, but it was the film itself. Although, um, obviously, uh, that's we were both a thinking the same. twist from... The Ring. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've both seen and, and love. But, and we've seen a lot of found footage films as well. Yeah. <clears throat> How did this rate? Well, you know, well, it wasn't really a found footage film, was it, after all? Um, okay, let's take a step back. Mm. If you were not a Doctor Who fan and a person who watches it regularly but isn't as invested in it as somebody who buys the magazine or goes online on mm. websites and rates it afterwards or whatever, if you just watched Doctor Who every Saturday and then forgot about it till the next week and you turned it on this week, you'd probably be quite impressed with that. It, on, a, on that on that very basic level, mm. it kind of worked because it was something a bit different mm. and it, it still had all those Doctor who things. had the monsters from mm. uh, Hyde mm-hmm. <laughs> or it had the bastard children of the monsters from Hyde and the monsters from Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. In fact, it, it, there were times when I was thinking, has Mark Gatiss seen Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS? Because it was the same fundamental idea as well. The monsters that are made out of the people who are in trouble. Yeah. It's, a, it's a monster runaround, which is a classic Doctor Who episode, which I think that was kind of the point of what this was supposed to be. Because even at the end, Reese Shearsmith's uh, character says, oh, well, I hope you enjoyed my little story. I even put some stuff at the end about, all oh, the monsters are coming to get you. So it's, it's a big made-up mm-hmm. story. But yes, by nice be- idea. By, by being made up, and then apolog not apologising, but almost excuse. You can almost excuse the whole episode being not that great by saying, "Oh, it's a story I just made up, and it's made up of cliches and bad acting, and generally not incredibly well put together." There's some nice acting in there. Yeah, no, and I think it was quite well put together. I had my issue is with the core idea, or put it another way, no, the core idea, as you said, is is great. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I had my hopes for it. Um, but What's it the core idea? What did you see? Depriving people of... Well, was yeah. that the core idea? It's hard to say, really. Yeah. I said, you know, I've mentioned it to you halfway through. I thought, oh, I've written something called About a Sleepless Society. Have you said that about everything? Yeah, yeah. well, I've got, I've got it at home <laughs> if you want to read it. But anyway... <laughs> or at least you can come up with it before the next time you see us. Yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, the point, the point of my story... Give us an idea next week. No, I'll tell you. The point of my story was it's a sleepless, sleepless society, which everybody's used to, and yeah. it's hit by an epidemic of sleep, okay? And there are also strange things that turn up, because obviously people mm. dream them outside or whatever. But I went into this, and I thought, it's just a, an idea. I didn't actually write the, the full thing. And I thought, it'd be great. I don't think anybody else has actually done something like this where it's almost like Alien Nation the TV series where you make this a bit of a series and I thought oh one day one day I'll do it and then it came up with this idea so part of me was thinking okay you need to explain this a bit more because there is a science that thinks that we're close to doing this for real yeah mm. yeah it's true but I mean uh, this is new scientists you know yeah but they um, also they scientists s- think we're going to yeah, travel I know, in I know. time but, they, the, but the way that they described it I wouldn't, be able to, I wouldn't be able to say it now stuff. here but the way they described it I thought yeah okay that makes but we didn't really get an explanation it was like oh you we play with the brain and that's all there is to it and I mean, you don't I need an explanation it's the bit that yeah. felt clumsy I, I, feel, I may be doing this a massive disservice right. in as much as that you know we might not be seeing something which is Patently obvious that's there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe on a second but, watch. But the moment that, that they start talking about the dust in the corner of the eye, 
it kind of went... That's the moment where it needed to be a fairy tale. Yes. Yeah. But it did become that, didn't it? Right, two things. Going back to what Lee said, Mm. uh, I forgot my point. You you made me forget. Well, I was was talking about there was that point, wasn't it? There was where all of a sudden the dust is a physical manifestation. It's saying it's this dust which lives in the corner of the eye. But is this is why I say we could be saying all this and the twist at the end was it was all in the film and the and the guy made, put it, all up this, anyway. made it up anyway. We didn't make it up. It all actually happened. But the important thing wasn't the dust. No. The important... Yeah, because all you need to do is... See, fundamentally, there's a flaw at the whole of the... At the heart of this. And that is that... Well, at least from my understanding of one yeah. viewing of yeah, it... Yeah, one viewing. Is that they didn't want... The people on the ship, mm. the Doctor and the others, didn't want the dust to spread to the rest of the universe. No, that's right. But these Morpheus pods are already out there. Yeah. So presumably this already is happening elsewhere. Yeah. Unless this is an extra development he's made on the ship, but I think there's a line of dialogue that said it wasn't. Mm. No. We, but the, the, I, the think, dust, I think the it's fair to say we're all... So the dust, dust is a red herring. It's a red herring. It's irrelevant. Yeah, but no, but he wants... The, it's an electronic blip. It's nothing. To do he with wants us. the people back on Triton or wherever it is to go into their Morpheus machines and create dust creatures, so that the dust creatures can take over. Because the dust creatures had taken over his sentience, right? Mm. They were controlling him by this point. So the dust creatures wanted to be everywhere else. Mm. But the, you know, the, the 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 criteria for that happening elsewhere already existed elsewhere. So he didn't need to get the signal out. I don't really understand the point of the signal. I mean, it was a nice twist that it was the signal rather than the dust. Yeah, yeah. But mm. I don't really understand. I must have missed no, something. No, I, I have to go on a bit of positive now, I think, because there, there are lots of it that I really did like about it. And one of those were the ideas, like you say, but they just didn't kind of come together. I also like Reese oh. Shearsmith's kind of presentation, his acting of that particular character. It was reminiscent of the chap from... Was it Nightmare of Eden that, all the way back in uh, those days, you know, when we yeah. had a slightly mad scientist on board the ship? That was quite nicely done. You never it was knew better trust than I was him, expected so. him to be, but I still wouldn't say he was great. And all of the, um, you know, the, the, the no head cam thing. I mean, we spotted this. I think you and I spotted this. Did you spot it as well, Simon? Quite I early spotted on? the fact that we were seeing footage from people who hadn't got cameras attached. Yes, mm, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting because it's going to be... From within people's minds, or maybe somebody's in the pod all the time, just dreaming yeah, but then the whole the episode. Explanation. Oh, what we're actually seeing is the pictures from the dust that's collecting in the corner of your eye. Do you know what it says a lot? It is that, so my, do you know my favourite bit? My favourite bit was seeing the bloke's legs sticking out the, the monster's mouth. That, that was, was my favourite bit. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Lee must have been Did talking. You, it was, it was, <laughs> actually, what what was nice? What was really nice was there were certain things that didn't appear on camera. Like the bit where Clara got dragged into the machine, you didn't see it happen. It was no. just like all of a sudden it was shum. What's happened? She's in, and you're like, oh, she's in there. And oh, some of the fans go, plot hole, plot hole. Yeah, but why and didn't they show? No, 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 no. That's a very normal fan. Yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm yeah. saying. They, I suppose they didn't joke, show that because that's that's a lot of money saved. But no, no, I think it's more effective because I sort of initially thought, oh, yeah, but the doctor was there? actually next to her. Yeah, it'd be different if he walked away and then she'd been dragged in. Not he's next to it her. Was, she's dragged in. Oh, where's she gone? <laughs> like, there were oh, lots. She's of, in a pod. There were lots of. Here's it's Clara clear. gets dragged into a pod, and thirty seconds later she's back out. 
She's back out and she's explaining verbally what happened, like an audio play. It's like the opposite. There was an awful lot of... I don't mind that so much. What I did mind was the fact that it gives you a moment of tension. Mm. Clara's been dragged into the machine Mm. and the tension dissipates because 30 seconds later she's back out. Yeah. And then it gives you another moment of tension. She's been infected with something that might mean that ultimately she can't survive unless the doctor does something about it. Mm. And the doctor says, she says to the doctor, will you be able to save me? And the doctor says, yeah, yeah. And then 30 seconds later, that's completely forgotten and it's never brought up again for the entire rest of the episode. There were lots of things thrown at it. Mm. And everything seemed to be slipping down the sort of... Tiles in the bathroom wall, really. Certainly my understanding of it seemed to slip away once they started Mm. mentioning dust creatures. Mm. Up to that point, it was like, ooh. Ooh. It's a little bit of style of substance, really, wasn't it, this episode? There was a lot of that. The Chordettes singing Sandman, Mm. you know, which is a lovely touch. And I thought... I. Genuinely thought we were going to go into. But it took you until the second time they sung it to work out what it was there for. <laughs> uh, no, it took me to the, the first time they sung. I just shut my mouth and then I said it. And you said, "Shut up! Wait for the podcast." <laughs> because you were talking shut over the up, dialogue when he was explaining what the <laughs> dust creatures shut were. Neck. The wait for podcast. The trouble is when you start <laughs> kind of losing faith in the episode, you start picking up on things which I don't want oh, to yeah. be irritated. This by. could be a I problem know, for you too. Lee talked all over the scene where the Doctor explains about the dust creatures. Oh yeah, sorry mm. about that. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant anyway. Yeah, but it may have been what um, Simon says. He was thrown out as soon as they started talking about dust creatures. Oh, that's because you were talking over it. That's why he was thrown out. That's why you're going. I had that idea ages ago. Doesn't mind when that happens. <clears throat> here's the big dragon stand. That was mine. Here's the big question: Which came first, the idea of doing a story about what happens when you? Det- deprive a society of sleep hmm. or the idea of doing a found footage episode because if they come up with that? the idea of doing a found footage episode first and then said what should we do about it I can't imagine them getting to sleep creatures but then if they came up with the idea of doing sleep creatures and said let's do a story about what happens when you deprive a society of sleep I can't imagine them getting to found footage and the only thing that could possibly connect the two is if on the one hand you're depriving people of sleep, what you're doing is creating a society where they're awake all the time mm. and thus their eyes are open all the time mm. and thus they don't miss anything, which is what you're representing by having found footage with the cameras, mm. but by having the creatures be made out of the dust of the corner of your eye kind of goes against that idea because on the one hand you're saying on the one hand you're saying see everything and on the other hand you're saying it's hard to explain this on the one hand you're saying it's all about awareness and then on the other hand you've kind of got this thing where it has to be something that you can't be too aware about because otherwise it doesn't work. Mm. This kind of this weird dichotomy between the it's funny way they're representing about, the idea. You've got the first person thing, which is like a hyper real thing. It's like a reality to it. Maybe that's maybe that's that's the idea that it was a weird juxtaposition of hyper real, and then you've got this weird fairy tale idea. Yeah, mm. it just like, didn't fit together. It's like you know what happens to your teeth when you stick it under your pillow when you lose a tooth. You know it's the tooth fairy, and it's 
I, I don't know. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that, you, like says, you were saying, if you, you no, do, you've, you've do a story it. about a sleep deprivation, yeah, yeah. then you start thinking there's all this psychological stuff going on, like you're Absolutely, saying. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe Much there is. I mean, but there isn't. Whether it the, into the next the episode. Trouble. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. When we saw the trailer We're not getting a cold episode. Lazarus moment, are we? I, d- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> is the next episode all just a dream? I think, I think the crux of it is, like you said, Joe, if people watch this as somebody who's a casual viewer and they enjoy it for what it is and then it's kind of explained in the next episode, then I understand what level it's working at. I don't think it's going to be explained in the next episode. Okay. Well, we've got Diagon Alley to look And I actually like the fact that the Doctor and that, they just clear off at the end. It's like, oh my God, it's all going down, let's just go away. And it, I've the been waiting for an episode where he doesn't, but the doctor solved did the doctor he escape? thinks he's solved I don't it. think he escaped did he they got off in the TARDIS I thought it was just Clara that got in the TARDIS and left no, the no, doctor that's what confused me no they all got off in the TARDIS did they and left the ship to go down but it was going to go down and crash if he believed it? at that point it was still the dust because he didn't know if he believed it was still the dust why would he go in a TARDIS and take it with him he was leaving the dust creatures behind if one speck of dust so well, is, the, is the issue that yeah. the evolution has happened on that thing Whereas, whereas all these other machines are, it hasn't actually got that far. Maybe that's the thing. Is that? Is that? Yeah, but I don't see how the film's going to change that. No, it's just it's one of those things. But think, like again, yeah, it's, it's like all these ideas, but none of them are really thought right the way through. I don't know that we've only watched it once, and so maybe I, they are. I've got mm. a feeling this is yeah, this is definitely a second watcher, isn't it? And we, mm. we're all floundering a little bit here, going, "Well, is it? Oh, we've got to watch it a second time." I mean, it's not. It's not sixth sense. I mean, that was like so well explained and easy to understand, even with a twist. You go back and watch it a second time. Can we watch it like a different film? Well, not really, because he died in the first scene. Well, whatever. I mean, that, I mean, you pick that up, but nobody else did in the world. That's why it was so bloody famous. Yeah, well, if you didn't realise that he was dead all the way through that film the first time you were watching it, then I should go home and mm. consult Janet and John and see if you can't educate yourself from scratch again. So there you go, folks. He dies at the beginning of the film, and Luke Skywalker has his father starts failure. And- do you know what? There were some funny lines, but this all—it all—it's down to that first twenty minutes. Actually, I don't think there were that many funny lines. I think there were funny performances. I Actually, think there were a lot yeah, of yeah. really straight the lines. Deliveries were very good. Yeah, and I think some of the other actors in it as well were doing quite well with that. Mm. The mm. girl who played—I can't remember the character's name now. The one that said "pet" the, all the time. The northeastern one, yeah. yeah. The George pet at the end of every every sentence. Because you'd have that accent in the thirtieth century, wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Sorry, but I think your York accent's going to disappear in, in about 3,000 years' time. Okay. Uh, I, it's the same always been there. It's in the same with well, t-shirts in Midnight, isn't it? And jeans. So, can't go there. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Honestly. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> speaks... Uh, was it, uh, um, isn't it kind of crystal clear theatre language? Isn't that... In all of Doctor Who in the past, everybody spoke like this. Can't we all speak like that in the future? Yes. <laughs> No, Lee, it's going the other way, isn't it? It is, yeah, you're right. That was back when newsreaders all spoke like that. And now you've got what's-his-face on the 10 o'clock news who pretends he's not even sitting in front of a camera and just kind of... What's he called? The one who was in Fear Her? Um, oh, really? Hugh... Is it Hugh something? 
Oh, I can't remember. Mm. Have you ever seen the ten o'clock news? No, I don't watch it. Oh, he pretends there's not even a camera there. He kind of he kind of looks into it every now and again, as as if to say, like "Oh, you're news. still there." Yeah, nonchalant news. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and at the, and just before the end of every uh, introduction, he reads out to a news report. Not at the end. Most news readers at the end of a news report will look off as if they're looking into a monitor that's playing back to them the news report that you're about to see. But he doesn't. He makes a point of looking off about 20 seconds earlier. And what he's doing, he's checking to see that the report's queued up. But mm. he does it in this really obvious way, as if to say, I'm so far ahead of you, I'm watching the news report that you're not going to see for another 20 seconds. Smugger <laughs> <laughs> nonchalant. Nothing, not good so is that what CNN stands for then? Californian nonchalant news. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Could well be. <laughs> Look, at the centre of this... Yes. <laughs> Regardless of how much more sense it makes the second time we watch it, at the centre of this, I think, fundamentally, is what I said at the start of this podcast, there's two ideas that just don't fit together. Mm. And and you know what I'm always saying about when you come up with a story concept, you've got to make sure all the other concepts come out of that. I think they've come up with two concepts here and said, right, let's try and marry these together, because they are a juxtaposition. One being... The cameras, except they're not cameras, but you know, ostensibly they're cameras, are on all the time and watching everything. And the other one being, if you're not going to catch any sleep, you're on all the time and you're catching everything. Mm. And it's like, it's kind of, the only way you could make that work was if one of those was the other way around. It's like putting two positive poles of a magnet together to make an episode just of Doctor Who. It strikes me as, it's because you've got these sleep monsters, it's almost, it's, a next, it's the next step on from night terrors. You know, if kids were going to watch this, it's like, oh, there's a monster that's made out of the gunk that comes out of the side of your eyes. Which isn't dust, by the way, it's mucus. In fact, the yeah, bogey, bogey well, the doctor man. even says mucus at the start. Yeah. And he really yeah. emphasises that word because that. he knows. And that's the yeah. thing. That's they the thing. It's a straightforward <laughs> yeah, bogeyman literally. story. Yeah. Well, this it was episode, operating on a kind of a. This episode is level. saying to kids, go to bed and get yourself off to sleep and get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And I'm thinking, he said we spend a third of our lives asleep. And I'm thinking, I wish I got as much of a sixth of my life asleep. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there's children involved as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm hoping I've got it really wrong. I'm hoping I have because. Yeah. Well, you know me, and, I'm, and I'm a fan of. Gator. I like Gators' work, and um, there's only I think it was only Robert Sherwood that I had a problem with, but I've rewatched it since and enjoyed it. A bit you like more. the Idiot's Lantern? I did actually. Yeah, I did like that one. I think I think I just the, the only parts of that particular episode were the boy's father, the, the acting mm. that was absolutely abysmal. But um, and that kind of sports film. But I quite like the idea. It's a bit mad and crazy. And it's okay. I think my th- I think it's just one of those things. As I say, I really like the guy and. Um, I think all and, and of I just his, don't connect with his stories like he, I do other writers. I think virgin. all of his stuff is solid, yeah. mm. but by the same token, I think it's solid but uninspired. Mm. But there's and, some great early Virgin novels he wrote, and a few of those are really very good. And I just think wouldn't it be great just to go back in time, maybe just oik some of those out because they had some fantastic ideas at the heart. And make of them. those instead. Yeah, maybe. yeah, but it takes more than fantastic ideas, especially on the telly. Mm. On the telly. Because like we've said, there were some fantastic ideas tonight. But on the telly, especially in a book you have to, but on the telly you've got to make it manifest for people watching it. You've got to take a good idea and make it in a way that people can relate to it. Mm. And whereas in a book you can kind of get away with it 
because with a yeah. book you tend to bring more of your own imagination to it so if there's something that needs filling in you'll fill it in on the telly that kind of doesn't happen because you know that's what the director's there for the director's the one who uses his imagination to fill in the blanks mm. and if it's not working by the time it's hit the screen it's not gonna work it's funny no sorry it me. felt like a Doctor Who Adventures strip or a Doctor Who magazine cartoon strip that's not to put down the strips because oh no I think in Doctor Who magazine are exceptionally good but I've uh, said on this podcast that I think some of the best stories in the Moffat era have been ones where it's felt like a Doctor Who annual story expanded yeah, out through character yeah, an annual story is different to say no, annual or comic strip or whatever mm. you take a simple idea and flesh it out with character yeah you need to read some adventure ones because they're very basic for kids yeah I've read them yeah so I get to a point where I think okay I'm, si- I'm seeing this happen in, in every other strip now so I, I can't really read these anymore because they're just not doing anything for me nice artwork but you know, so so, but Doctor Who magazine they push it a little bit more, and I just felt we were watching something that would be great in that format, or even good on audio. In fact, like you mentioned earlier, mm. but you know, when you get a shot at TV Doctor Who, and they're only what twelve, thirteen episodes a year, it needs to be high grade, and we've had a good eight episodes which have been absolutely knocking them out of the park as far as I'm concerned and this one maybe we've been harsh on it maybe this would have been the best one of like two years ago or something <laughs> but it just fell it fell under the mark for me. what it did was it did what people are always accusing Stephen Moffat of of ripping off his own back catalogue but with Stephen Moffat what he tends to do is come up with a new central idea and use his own little ticks and idiosyncrasies mm. yeah, it's funny if he didn't use it didn't go into, say, Clara's mind or her dream state or anything, which I thought was going to happen. Well, we had that last week. Yeah. And that was as much foreshadowing for what's right. going to happen later as you need, possibly, if what I think is going to happen is going to happen. But what you had this week was, you know, Stephen Moffat will come up with something like, okay, I'll say it. I was going to say this, but why not? I'll say it. Last year's Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Where... All sorts of familiar Moffat things are in there, but the idea, the central idea, the inception thing, is something that he's not done in Doctor Who before, Mm. nor has anybody. So the central idea is new, but the motifs that sell that idea to the audience are familiar ones. And that's kind of how Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who works. There'll be something in the middle that's Mm. brand shiny and new to him, (laughs) and lots of familiar stuff that means that it doesn't feel completely alien and different to the rest of the series what we've had in this episode is all the motifs without really this sort of central idea because although the central idea was there about the the sleep deprivation he didn't do anything with the central idea so the central idea was only lip service as opposed to actually creating a story out of the idea with what was it called last christmas with Last Christmas, the whole Inception dream thing, that was the story. That was what propelled the episode for 60 minutes. Yeah. And there were familiar things running around it, but that was the story. Yeah. In here, you get to the point where they say, we're depriving people of sleep, and that's causing monsters, and that's it. It doesn't go anywhere or do anything from that point. You needed to learn you know, what it was about the lack of sleep that yeah. created the monsters. Through the story. As opposed to just bits of dust. Because that's like saying, oh, you know, I had a nosebleed and 
oh, bugger me, but my nosebleed has turned into a monster in front of me. Yeah. Why? Why has it done that? What is it about it yes. that has caused that to happen? Yes. What, therefore, is going to be your resolution? Mm. How are you going to stop that from happening again in the future? Why is that spreading and how does it spread to other people? Yeah. None of any of this was addressed. No. It was just an idea and then... All the other stuff was the motifs. Absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. that's what I was. I did say. feel that some of the, you know a lot of the time the doctor, particularly in the last section where I started kind of losing the will, the will to watch. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, the will to watch, not the will to live. That's just ridiculous. But no, the, um, because it felt like the doctor was sort of giving these long sort of extrapolations of what was going on oh, this is happening this is happening and I think why am I not learning this through the story well this is it it's, we were getting loads of this yeah. loads of it all the way through because they were too busy running around yeah, and then Clara yeah. would stop and explain exposition and come out whatever you know and there was a moment when she, when she said oh if we open those doors those creatures will come in it's like well we know that so I, I lines like that which just that's dumb storytelling on TV and it really gets me and even at points, you could see the actress getting a bit... Not, I don't know whether it's supposed to be half-assed acting, but it felt like they didn't quite know what to do because of the, maybe the camera situation was so different, the peep show aspect. Mm. That's new to them, looking at camera and trying to be sincere, mm. as opposed to looking off camera and, and talking to a, a face as opposed to a camera. I, well, I think when you, it's through them. Actually, when it when worked, when it, it worked best yeah. towards the beginning of the episode, when the Doctor and Clara were going around being Doctor and Clara, like hey. they always do, and they're different cameras and you're catching them at different angles. Do you that know was what? really interesting. The best part of this whole episode for me was that opening sequence where that's the first time I think we've seen somebody coming up towards the Doctor and Clara and them being the, the kind of the like strangers. The intruders, the yeah. strangers. Yeah. It was beautifully done. Brilliant idea. Fly on the wall. Fantastic. And I thought, mm. oh my God, this is going to be a cracker. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we've got to be careful of this expectation thing. I know, because, I know. But it because was, I think it was a good both owner. me and JR kind of hoped and expected it to go one way, and it went another way. Yeah, but that's kind of simpler way. Yeah, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be just enjoying the episode. I know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I did try to just sit back, and but it just didn't take me with it. Be interesting to see what uh, my son think, thinks of this. I yeah. think and his mates uh, they're all 16 so yeah but most people just watch it and go oh, this is some big dust monsters that eat people yeah, no so. I think great like, monsters by the way yeah. love the design mm, well we've seen it twice already in two consecutive episodes <laughs> and actually <laughs> filming seven. as well it, it's the less is more thing when you I just like get the glances of big them. open mouth yes yeah. that was yeah. good I half expect at the end when he's I he took his eye out for no reason. And, well, that was um, a really nice effect. It was a really nice effect, but I half expect his mouth to suddenly open really wide, which obviously jaws drop off. Freaked me out. Well, it's freaked me out anyway. Already, mm. especially when he's talking like that at the end. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> but uh, yeah, just like that. Because you know, uh, Amy with the dust coming from the eye as well. Yes, that's what I mean. It's like there was nothing there we've not seen before. Mm. I know it's a bit of a shame, really. Well, do you know, know what? I mean, I don't know if anybody's got the Doctor Who magazine um, on the on the front of the most recent Doctor Who magazine. There's mm-hmm. a picture of Clara in a particular situation. If you haven't bought it already, we don't want to get spoiled or whatever. I don't you know. Can't spoil the cover of a magazine. Well, I don't know whether it's in the series. It might not be, but it might be. Anyway, there's a picture of her being a waitress. And I thought, this is a 1950s-looking American diner waitress. She's she's being here. And then we get the Chaudette singing Sandman. And I thought, oh, there's a link. We're going to go into her mind. She's going to be in a restaurant. 
Chordettes. Uh, is that what it is? The Chordettes? Chordettes. Chordettes. Yeah, that's right. Chordettes. Yeah, the Chordettes. How do you spell it? Uh, C-H-O-R-D-E-T-T-S. Chordettes. Not E-T-T-E-S. For those people listening at home, Lee just gave a nasty wink. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Do you mean the Chordettes? Yes, that's right, the Chordettes. Anyway, right, so... Bloody hell. <laughs> He's been saying that all through the podcast, and I'm thinking, what the hell's he talking about? <laughs> He's going to have some kids on time. He's going to keep doing it now. the Chordettes. <laughs> He's going to keep it Blimey doing it now and make it like it was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't say it like that, because it makes me feel like I'm... Three yeah. inches high? Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Anyway, shall we move on to what's happening now? We've done now, are we? We've done less than half an hour. We cannot do it. Mind you, nobody pays for this, so it's not like we... It's not, and we, it's not like we don't go way over the 60 minutes every other week. No, I'm not done. I've got a few more things to say. Going back to my point earlier about if you were a member of the general public, mm. what would you think of it? I think it would be fine. Okay. Because I, I, think, I think it's only when you watch things that closely... Well, no, no, no. Yeah, Let's maybe. put it that another way. I think... If you're a member of a relatively casual viewer watching this, I think there's a fair chance that you'd be relatively satisfied with that story. Especially as, at the end, they all escape, and then there's that twist that, even though they've escaped, it was all a big red herring, and actually it was the film rather than the creatures that he didn't, you know, that he should have been stopping from escaping. Mm. I think that twist is enough to... to, uh, sort of ameliorate most people who are watching without being that engaged with it. I think even if you're a casual viewer, if you're very much engaged with it, you might have been left at the end thinking, well, that passed the time and it was entertaining, but I didn't really get anything out of it. I think because, like I say, if you don't, it, that the idea at the heart of it wasn't developed enough that it felt satisfying. So I think even casual viewers, some of them might have, not necessarily noticing why, but Mm. might have got to the end of it and just thought, well, that was a bit like eating dessert. And I think the found footage thing, because if you watch a found footage movie, that's your only experience of those characters and that universe, right? So it's not like you have any other experience of the elements of that story to draw upon. So you can't compare those characters with a non-found footage Mm. version of those characters. It's like if there was a found footage Star Wars film, you'd be comparing the found footage Star Wars film to all the non-found footage Star Wars films. Mm. So I think uh, right from the very word go, you're both at a disadvantage because you can compare this with last week's Doctor Who and what that looked like and felt like. Mm. But you're also at an advantage because in an episode, of, in a series of 12 episodes, you want each one of those 12 episodes to be distinct in some way. Mm. And this was t- so indistinct in almost every other department <laughs> that the found footage thing was about the only thing about it that you could put your finger on and say, right, that's, you know, in friends' parlance, that's the one with the found footage. I tell you what I did think was quite uh, effective was where the, the uh, gravity dampness failed and the whole thing was shaking, and then that's when the creatures came in. It was so sort of chaotic and that. It was quite... Yeah, that was quite good. I was just thinking the mutant <coughs> and the black yeah. hole. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 
I think on paper, if you look at it, if you presented it, it sounds quite impressive, actually. So you get a person who's presenting a Doctor Who episode who is really the monster. Mm. And in between, you get these little zzz, zzz moments, which nobody picks up on. It's just that... Because um, it's, it's in all found footage. Yeah, it's, stuff it's anyway. like blip verse, isn't it? Basically, yeah. so it's just you know you get it, and that actually that little blip is the main crux of the whole thing. That's the thing that's 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 infecting everything. The ironic thing is where we paused it just as we were about to start watching <laughs> it. Yeah, we did on that very blip. <laughs> um, and then underneath that, you we're get you get his plan. Die. You get his plan, which is to get on board a whole bunch of anybody's you know, an army bunch, and then he attacks them and kills them. It's basically a story to keep you watching from start to finish, right? In order to get those blips inside you. Well, I mean, he but could have the done Doctor that. just turns up out of nowhere, and he's all part of the run. But actually, he doesn't He doesn't do anything, doesn't save anything, doesn't actually... So, in fact, the guy's plan's still there. So, in a way, it's, it's a pretty clever idea. But I just but it's not, not sure that it really... It's not really a clever idea, is it? Well, it would be if it was a story, if you'd have written it down or like an audio or whatever. I think it would. No, have... I mean you're reading more into it than was there. I don't think so. It's the the guy that all the way through is, 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 is an alien. He's putting the blips through, and then underneath that is a story which he's recorded through the dust. Yes, but he's not written that story. But he hasn't made it up. That's a real. That has happened. Yes. But he's he sent out the distressing or to get people on board so that story can happen so he can then send that back out. Well, why the... didn't he just send out a film I know. of what was happening with the original crew before they yeah. were all killed? Why didn't he just install the blip into every machine? Of course, yeah. I don't know, you know, it's, there you go. It's... it's to keep the sleepers watching. It's, well, it's to get yourself 45 minutes of Doctor Who, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what my, my worry is? I didn't it... dislike that. I didn't dislike no, no, almost no, no, anything no, no. about it. Yeah. I didn't think there was anything there to dislike, but by the same token, I didn't really think there was anything there to like either. It was it was the very definition of an episode that just went by. I think if you'd have made that 30 minutes long or 25 minutes long, you know, and cut was it a back series. a bit, made it a little bit faster... There was a series on, I think it was Channel 4 in the late 80s or early 90s, uh, and it was an anthology series of short sci-fi things, and I think they were half an hour, and with the adverts taken out, they were about 20 minutes. Well, they might even have been 20 minutes with the adverts taken out, 15. And the first one had one of the guys from Duran Duran in, and because it was Channel 4, it was set on a spaceship, he was the only man on the spaceship, and it was about his sex droid, and the sex droid went wrong or something. And so it had... I've got to see this. <laughs> and so it had... And so it had an idea extrapolated... Was her name Ria? It had an idea extrapolated from my robot, but given a makeover from, uh, you know, the Hungry Like the Wolf video meets Penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got a copy of this. Somewhere. No, I don't. <laughs> um, I'm but to which member of Duran Duran it was? Was it John uh, Taylor? I, um, could have been. I can't. Remember. You could probably look it up. Uh, I mean, if you go through the Duran Duran members, it'd be on one of their wikis, I suppose. And then you can look at the rest of the series. I think there were like four of them, or maybe six of them. Mm. And there was an anthology. They weren't related. They were just fifteen, twenty-minute sci-fi stories shown at half past ten at night on Channel Four. Mm. And the thing is, that was a 15-minute story, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Exactly. It would have worked as that. Yeah. But extended out across 45 and with the Doctor. <clears throat> because when you put the Doctor in your story, 
you're bringing baggage with it. Because, mm. I mean, there were a couple of things. There's a bit where he starts quoting Macbeth at Clara. And again, that was like, especially the way he phrased it, it was like, Clara, you're going to die. No, no, it's all right. I'm just quoting Macbeth. <laughs> but yeah, so the there was play, a l- the play you never quote when you're in a theatre or production. Mm. Yeah, but this is the thing. People will say, "Oh, I'm in the Scottish play on Facebook or whatever," and I'm thinking, "Well, unless you're actually sitting in the theatre typing that, yeah, you got no fear of saying it." It should be anyway, because there's no such thing as a as bad luck. So there we go. There's no such thing as superstition. <laughs> no, but even if you believe in superstition, oh, it's like it was one of these things. People believe in all these superstitions, but nobody actually bothers to look at what the superstitions mean or where they came from. Mm. So it's so like you wonder. Oh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, but without the context for the superstition, it means nothing. Like not saying Macbeth. Yeah. If you're not in Macbeth, or you're not in the theatre actually rehearsing Macbeth. There's no reason not to say Macbeth. It's bad luck if you're in the theatre rehearsing it. <laughs> you know, anywhere else you can say the word Macbeth, especially if you're only typing it on Facebook. And all these other superstitions, same thing. Gone off at a tangent. Right. They they ought to bring they may as well do the candy man. <laughs> done anything else. Absolutely. Hey Mr. Candyman. Absolutely. Bring me some <laughs> sweets. Bring me the sweetest sweets that I'll ever eat. I think he said sweets. <laughs> no, I saluted a magpie yesterday. I don't know why. Out on the lawn. And then, Are you pregnant? And, well, no. And then its mate came along. He was hiding around the corner. He's Actually, the original at me there. lyrics. Then you got to do it again. You realise that. The original. So that's two ones then, as opposed to one two. The original lyrics of "One for Sorrow," <laughs> etc., had nothing to do with pregnancy whatsoever. It's to do with pregnancy. Well, three for a girl, four for a boy. Mm. Oh, what does I wonder why that was. I thought it was you ended up going out with one. <laughs> but here's the thing: if you're pregnant <laughs> and you see a magpie, and you think, "Oh my god, <laughs> one for sorrow," and then ten minutes later you see two magpies, and then you think, "Oh wow, two for joy." And then ten minutes after that, you see one magpie, and you think, "Oh my god, one for sorrow." Mm. You're just gonna spend. You Five go for, for a w- silver, six for gold. Oh my god, you go for a walk in the park. You're gonna spend the entire walk, yes, wildly deviating between <laughs> absolute joy and utter misery every time you see magpies. That's life. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> ridiculous. I never watched magpie. I always tried to watch magpie in the seventies and got bored. Yeah, I never watched it either. Did you watch Magpie Lee? Are we on to Magpie? Yes, listener, that's we what to, we've come <laughs> to. to Magpie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I did watch Howl, though. That was good. Howl. I watched <laughs> Brushstrokes with Carl oh. Howson. Because of you. What, no, I watched that Brushstrokes. Yeah, was, that was... Um, Texies. Yeah. It's a great song. Mm. Uh, My sister fancied the bloke in Brushstrokes. So I just uh, that Carl Housen. Yeah. So that's why I brought it out because he said I watched How and I went, How. Oh, Housen in Brushstrokes. Wow, be good. We're playing that game now, are we? <laughs> I think we're going to have to if we're going to eat this out. Did you say you said Brushstrokes? Did, did I promise twenty strokes? minutes or fifty? If I promise twenty minutes, we're good, right? We can score it and go. I think we're nearly there. I think it's, I'm in danger, right? I can turn around and say, look, 
maybe there's more going on with this, and I'm not understanding the episode as I should. I think um, it, but then I'm in danger of like doing an Emperor's New Clothes because there's going to be people saying what well, it's far cleverer than you think it is, and, yeah. and there isn't that much there. Well, but. we may be wrong. We'll come back next week and and say, by the way. But the thing is, yeah, we can this, always come this, back the following week and say, yeah. But I like this idea of the fixed point in time thing. I like yeah. that, that play. I've got this idea in my head about the fixed point in time, which is you score the episode on your first viewing. Because in essence, that's how it should work. Well, that's how 90% of people are watching it. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. how we are doing it. Um, though I will go back on what I said about the Zygons the other week. I said I hate the Zygon design. I've watched it about three times now. And I quite like it, actually. I just don't it's like that. Okay. I understand yeah. why it has to be the way it is. You needed that expression. You need more expression in the face to, to mm. show the pain of the... I'd like them yeah, to, sort of that whoever's choreographing the outfits and that get to make sure that they don't turn their heads while they're in your costumes. So they make sure they turn their shoulders Yeah, because it looks like there's somebody... You can't do that because it's like walking around with a half moon on your head and it's like a crescent moon. Yeah. 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 I understand what's happening, you but can't, it's just like... They look a bit rubbery. And that's why they turn to humans because they can turn around like, you know, they can do a 160 degree turn, 180 degree turn. Yeah. 160. Yeah, about that. <laughs> that was a very good episode, and some of the things in that episode are really, really subtle. Like the whole thing about the Zygons living on Earth in disguise. Mm. Because the whole thing, I mean, some people are trying to brush this aside and say it's more of a general analogy. No, it's an, al- an analogy about Muslims living in the West. And one of the things about Muslims living in the West is we have this big issue about burqas. Mm. And so Zygons having to live amongst humans in disguise is kind of an antithesis of Muslims who want to retain their burqas and there being Mm. a sort of groundswell of feeling among certain quarters of the population that they should be banned, at least in schools and places like that. I mean, uh, do you know what? I didn't pick that up as a as an obvious thing, but I, and now you say it, I can see that that's all ground in as. Part I think of the, it's there. I don't think it's in my imagination. I think it's the thought think, processes. Is yeah, like I say, think, it's not as obvious. It's not as straight down the line as that. But it's the same thought processes. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. what he's did. What Peter Harness has done is, and this is the brilliant thing about it, is because, like I always say, if you're going to do something in the Doctor Who universe then whatever you take, whatever story you want to tell, I mean, if you want to borrow a story from somewhere else, like Frankenstein for Brain of Morbius or whatever, or if you want to take something from real life and use Doctor Who as an analogy for it, what you've got to do to make it work in the Doctor Who universe is twist it in some way that makes the way you've done it unique to Doctor Who. Mm. And the thing about what Peter Hahn is, and Stephen Moffat, because of course we forgot that Stephen Moffat was co-writer on the second episode, <laughs> what they've done is they've taken the Zygons and by extrapolating from the first time we saw the Zygons back in the 70s and just expanding <clears throat> their technology slightly because some people I've heard this week have argued about whether the Zygons should be able to do the things they do well it's like you look at your watch or your phone 40 years ago how much has that moved on in 40 years Okay, the Zygons have moved on a little bit. Fair enough. But it's all extrapolated from their original appearance. They're not actually doing brand new things. They're just doing more sophisticated versions of the things they already it did. Make, it makes sense if they're going to uh, mimic somebody properly, then they need to be you able know, to extract the thought processes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you know, having to have them in a cell 
in your spaceship ain't going to work out because eventually something goes wrong, they die, you're walking down the street and suddenly you turn back into a Zygon. Mm. None of that stuff made any sense anyway. What kind of a society on a planet actually develops the ability to look like another species if you've got that particular member of that species safely tucked up in a pod somewhere? (laughs) It's it's a ridiculous idea in the first place. It's a great Doctor Who idea, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> I was going to say, most of Doctor Who's So, like that. Peter Harris was... and Moffat have extrapolated from the original Zygon's appearance mm. and mapped the Zygons onto their analogy for Muslims and terrorists. And they've done it in such a way that it reflects back lots and lots of other things, like the thing I was just saying with the burkas. And there's mm. lots of those. You look at everything, almost everything mm. about the situation is in there in some form or another, mm. in some kind of metaphor or analogous disguise. And he's done it in a way that only Doctor Who could really have done it. It's mm. a brilliant piece of television. Mm. And, and But masquerading as a, as a straightforward, brilliant, almost classic uh, Doctor, 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 Doctor Who story, yeah. which is great. And the sort of story I kind of hope we'd have this year, I think I said in the previous episode where, you know, it was supposed to be Doctor Who, the, uh, Doctor, the Doctor and Clara, the glory years, and I kind of hoped it was going to be straightforward stories, you know, and, and that was just, that was well, just it brilliant. really for her, because she wasn't in hardly any of no, it, sadly. No, but... Um, well, I say sadly, But going actually, back to Mark Gatiss, you know, when he does do straightforward stories, I just think they're, you know, they're just a lot of fun. Yeah, because you've got to go back to this episode and say... Because at this point... Lee, put your fingers in your ears. If Clara's going to die next week, mm. she really needed to be doing something in this episode to make herself completely indispensable. Mm. Can you remind me what it was? No, she irritated the Doctor, didn't she? If nothing else. She just basically was there, wasn't she? Mm. All right, fair enough. Mm. And if she's leaving at the end of the series... If Clara's leaving at the end of the series, by this point in the series, she should be indispensable, right? That's basically what I was saying. Anything to can happen. Yeah, but in what way was she indispensable in this episode? No, if she'd have gone out on this episode, that would been, but that would have been a bit sad because there's nothing. You know, it'll be an episode about. It'll be Clara's it would have episode. been like Nissa going out on Kinder. That's what, the one where she falls terminus? asleep at the start and. <laughs> Wakes up at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Lee, get with the programme. <laughs> I was thinking of a snake dance, sorry. Yeah. Mm. Well, she was keeping the monsters away, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, well, mm. <laughs> should we give it a score? Oh, it's so hard. Who's going to be brave and go first? Look, there will be people out there that like this episode. I'm going to be interested to see whether the youngsters. That I know he enjoyed it, and I'll let you know next week. But I found it all a little bit ho hum, I'm afraid. So mm. I've got to say six. Simon, sorry, Mark. I'd be interested to. Yeah, because Mark would have loved it, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to hear people's opinions on it. If it was particularly positive. Well, there'll be plenty of opinions out there as soon as we turn the microphone off, Simon. Yeah, yeah. I I just didn't feel it held together. Um, so I'm going to have to say a five. And I'm going to go with a generous six. Mm. Mm. Uh, 
I'm on a... I want to be wrong, as mm. usual. I want to be wrong. I do remember watching um, Tangled Mercy, and even though we weren't giving it exceptionally low scores, we weren't totally bowled over by it, were we? And then we watched it again, mm. and it's become a bit of a favourite. Yeah, but Tangled Mercy, Tangled Mercy, though, initially seemed quite one dimensional. Yeah. But Town Called Mercy had an idea at the heart of it that yeah. actually got developed and turned into something. Yeah, because initially if you it remember, like a very obvious you two idea. scored it low, but I didn't. Hmm. All right, smart ass. Is that what I was going to say? Is that like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Playground stuff. <laughs> no, maybe it's because half my mind is already on how will it be on the next watch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. If it, do you think you don't think it's going to be particularly connected with the next episode then? Oh, well, because I mentioned at the end about the coincidence in yeah. the trailer, didn't I? Because mm. this was very obviously fashioned around Ring, where if you see the video, you're going to die. And then next week, you've got somebody with a tattoo on the back of his neck. And what the trailer seemed to be saying, although it might not have been, it might just have been the way it was edited, but what the trailer seemed to be saying is, somebody's given you this tattoo to tell you you're going you're marked for death, essentially. Mm. Mm. So you have two episodes in a row, because these were the two that looked like they weren't going to be connected. And I, I, on our preview podcast, or maybe it wasn't on our preview podcast, one of our earlier podcasts, I said I think they're going to be connected in some way that's... Thematically. Uh, yeah, or something else. Or I said, well, the suggestion I gave, and the suggestion I gave uh, wasn't so much a prediction as an example of. Mm. But the suggestion I gave was that they wouldn't explain what the monster was by the end of this, and then you'd have the same monster next week and you'd find out what it was. Mm. Yeah. So in some way, the, the second of these two episodes would explain something that wasn't explained in the first. Well, in this one, you've got the idea of if this video gets out into the world, it basically marks you for death. If you see the video, you're marked for death. Even said it at the start in their sort of pre-titles. So we didn't have a title sequence, but we did have Doctor Who. He said, don't watch this video. And then he says at the end, I told you not to watch the video. And that's it. If you watch the video, you're marked for death. Well, next week, we've got somebody who's actually marked for death. So the way this series has been working is episode one shows you something. Episode two expands and explains that something. So here we've got two episodes. Episode one shows you something that marks you for death. Episode two follows the story of somebody who is marked for death. So next week... I mean, insofar as we could tell from the trailer, will ostensibly have nothing to do with this week's, but by the token of that idea being the same same essential idea, and you seeing on the one hand the thing that marks you, and then on the other hand the person who's marked, and presumably they're going to save him. I mean, they might not save him, but I'm assuming he gets saved at the end of next week's episode. And so by saving him something about the way being marked for death works will be explained and expanded upon. Mm -hmm. And so the second episode of these two will expand upon the first in the same way as been, we've been watching with all the What's other the episodes next one called? the series. Because I saw the trailer. Uh, Face the Raven. Face the Raven. Good title. I like that title. But um, Only when I say it like that. If I said it like <laughs> this, it's called Face the Raven. <laughs> not such a good title, eh? <laughs> no, not really. That scares me a bit, but um, ravens, ravens are the, uh, you know, what are they? They're like heart bringers of doom, aren't they? And, and death bringers of death, that sort of thing. They're big black crows. They are, and they appear a lot in Macbeth. Like so. magpies. Well, crows, 
traditionally are carrion creatures. Yeah, so, ravens are the nice ones, yeah, really. <laughs> so if you see a if you see a crow, and magpies also are crows. <clears throat> if you see a crow, like they're the, like the um, uh, temperate te- temperate countries version of vultures. If you see a crow, that means somebody or something is about to die, and the crow is Hence waiting the... until. Mm. So Hence if you comic. so if you face the raven, what it essentially means is you're facing your approaching death head on. And hence this character who's marked for death, who, by bumping into the Doctor and Clara, mm. faces his approaching death. And you on. actually get a raven in it. So there you are. It's, it's not even a metaphor. And Diagon Alley, by the sounds of it as well, by the looks by of, the look it, of it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know Harry Potter's that well. but you know. I swear to God, that is the same street. I've been up that street in the studio tour. They must have used it. It's not the Mumbles. Now. I thought it was the Mumbles in York that they just dressed up really nicely. <laughs> it might be the Mumbles. I don't think yeah, it don't is. Know. It'd be the Mumbles in Cardiff that they dressed up really nicely. I don't know. It could be one of those things where they say, hey, we're in Harry Potter land. No, surely I... not. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Another dream thing. I don't know. Hmm. All right, we scored it. Anybody else got anything else they want to bring up? No. Sorry. I need to... Well, we managed to get the better part of an hour out of this. With your feet. That's brilliant on a mic. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Okay then, until next week when we do face the Raven, I've been JR. I was Lee. And I was Simon. And we will sleep no more. I'll be alright.